All right, folks, welcome back to another episode of the Deer Gear Podcast. I'm your host, Cameron Durr. This episode is actually a rerun of last week's episode. We had some technical difficulty switching our podcast hosting service. My podcast was kind of wiped off the face of the planet. We got it back up and going and available. So for those of you that have reached out to me and were concerned, thank you. I'm really appreciative. I'm glad you guys are liking this content enough to reach out to me and see that it's still going to be produced. And if you are a fan of this podcast, you're in luck because it is not going anywhere. Anyway, today's podcast is again a rerun. I'm joined by Lucas Jones. Lucas is the digital media specialist here at Exodus. Chances are, if you've watched any Exodus YouTube content, Lucas has had his hands in the pot with production. Lucas and I have very similar paths, and it's cool to hear his perspectives on why he got into cell filming, and then we talk about what we would recommend for those who are looking to get into cell filming. Maybe you have a cell filming rig, and you want to make some changes. This is what we recommend using as beginners, and then maybe we'll do another episode later on down the road that we kind of break down what we are using. If this type of content is something you guys are enjoying, please let me know and we can go a little bit deeper into it. And maybe we'll even talk about some post-production things if you guys want to hear that. So anyway, thank you guys for tuning back in to this week's episode. Let's get right into it. All right, everyone, here we go. I'm sitting down today with Lucas Jones on the uh, Exodus content team. I guess I've never even really explained what I do for Exodus here, but um, <laughs> I'm the content director here, and we have Lucas, the Digita Media Specialist. Yes, sir. How are you doing today, man? Doing all right. How about you, man? Doing good. This is something we've been dying to talk about here oh, yes. on the podcast. We've, we've toyed around with it a couple times, and we, uh, we have some time here in the office to talk about filming gear. So both of us are camera nerds, so to speak. Uh, We work with cameras every day, Mm -hmm. and we do some filming. We film every day. We edit every day. So this is kind of in our wheelhouse, so this should should go pretty well. You guys are ever thinking about getting into filming or self-filming, which we're going to cover kind of both here in today's podcast, Mm -hmm. probably do another one too. Uh, Lucas is the guy to to listen to yeah it's gonna be a fun one i've been i've been looking forward to this so before we dive into any specifics of gear and what we use what was your initial draw what was your interest in filming so my interest in filming um you know i grew up just like everyone else you know watching all the big shots on the outdoor channel in the early 2000s thinking man that would be awesome to be like michael waddell on the road every every day, every weekend, whatever, going around filming hunts. And as I got older, um, I actually met uh, a couple guys that used to come into my grandfather's shop. He, my grandfather owned an archery shop in the small town that I grew up in. And one of them did some video work for, I can't even remember what broadhead company at this point. This was like, I don't know. 2004 2005 so they might not even be around anymore um and i was just so intrigued with seeing his humongous camera that he brought in to show us some of the clips i'm pretty sure it was uh 
only filmed in like maybe 720 or something like that, but I was just amazed at that thing. Oh, yeah. So I, I always had an interest in it. Um, high school and college, I tried filming some hunts. You know, I had a little cheapo little uh, point and shoot that I would steal from my mom all the time when we would go out. And then uh, my grandfather actually sold this product that uh, it was like shooting glasses that had a little action camera like built in to the sunglasses. So tried that for a while, um, almost lost the shooting glasses in the middle of a lake. So those got taken away <laughs> and <clears throat> just kind of went through college. Didn't really do it too much in college just because I, I did football in college and that's pretty much a full-time job in itself on top of being a full-time student. And then when I graduated, I just, I wanted to get back into it and start getting serious about it. So so here we are today. Mm-hmm. Got the job with Exodus, yep. and we are, yeah, that's what we do. We film. Now, something interesting here. We're going to have an interesting dynamic, mm-hmm. and you're a Canon guy. Well, you yes. came into this a Canon guy. Exodus uses all Sony equipment, mm-hmm. so we kind of have you covered on both ends. If you want to shoot with Canon or if you want to shoot with Sony, we can offer both perspectives. There's a third option in there, too, because the first camera – like the first uh, quote-unquote prosumer camera that I ever got was a Panasonic. Oh, yeah, and Panasonic so makes a great camera, too. I shot on Panasonic for a couple years before switching over to all Canon. Sure, so I'm going to pose the question here. I'm going to act as if I want to get into filming, mm-hmm. and you're going to kind of give me some recommendations here. So this is going to be my first year. Um, it's The YouTube craze is huge. You know, everyone's yeah. trying to make a channel. Everyone wants to film their hunts, and... I'm all for it. I hope people want to film their hunts. It's uh, You can share it with family members. You can share it with yourself. So there's more benefits. And if you're getting into, for, let me see this too. If you're getting into filming to make it big and get on TV and get sponsors and get money, you're probably in it for the wrong reason. Yes, very much so. you missed the boat. The, that ship has sailed. The, uh, the YouTube is a cruel world. Being successful on YouTube is very, very hard. So I don't want to discourage anyone from filming their hunts but make sure you have the right goals in mind and you're doing it for the same reasons but anyway i'm looking to get into filming this year it's gonna be my first year i'm primarily going to be Mm self-filming what is the primary camera body that you're going to recommend to me so first year ever self-filming honestly i'd go with just a camcorder nothing too expensive nothing over the top just you know Go out to Walmart, Best Buy, whatever. Whatever's in your budget, that's the most important thing. It's If it's your first year, don't go out and blow three grand on a high-end prosumer camcorder. Sure. Because what if you get one year into it and figure out that you hate it? Then you got to try and resell that camera, and the only thing that depreciates quicker than new cars off of the uh, dealership lot is new cameras. Yeah. So good luck getting that three grand back. So doesn't really matter brand-wise when you're first starting out. You know, Canon makes a good little uh, handy cam. Sony does, too. Panasonic like has a good line. Canon G40. Or... Yeah. Yeah, just anything simple like that so you can get the basics down, kind of get your feet wet into it and figure out, is this something that I'm actually going to like? Sure. Yeah, that's true. Um, so you're you're thinking camcorder why not a mirrorless camera to start or dslr camera to start with self-filming just starting out the camcorder simplifies everything 
you know, if <clears throat> say this is year one, you just want to, you know, record your hunts just to have that footage to show family, friends, you know, you're not going to be on a super high end production. So those mirrorless and DSLRs, when you're self filming with those, depending on what brand you go with too, it's a whole different set of complexities when you're up in that tree or if you're on the ground or wherever you're filming at. What are those complexities? What what makes it tougher? So with the reason I said camcorder is because of a couple things. Autofocus, zoom, built in mic. It's all right there. It's all combined into one. Um the can't the Canons, the Sony's, the Panasonics all have decent autofocus for like their consumer level uh, camcorders. They have the zoom function built right into it, and they have the mic built right into it. You get into that mirrorless DSLR world, you got to worry about you know, should I go with a medium range lens? Should I go with a long lens? Do I need to go with a wide angle lens? Like there's a lenses itself is a whole different set of complexities. Then you got to worry about what type of mic should I get? Should I get a shotgun mic? Should I get a lavalier mic to mic myself up? Um, autofocus, mirrorless cameras, obviously, they're going to be a lot better than the uh, camcorders. That's about, you know, the only good part, I guess, I would say, if you're just starting out as to why you might go the mirrorless route. But it's just a whole lot more to learn. The learning curve is a heck of a lot steeper on mirrorless and DSLRs as compared to just a a point-and-shoot camera. Yeah, if you're going to buy a mirrorless camera, a DSLR camera to film your hunts, and you're going to self-film, and you turn that camera to auto mode, you're selling yourself short. Oh, yeah. You're not getting... The reason why you bought the mirrorless or the DSLR, you have that depth of field, Mm -hmm. you're not going to get any of that on auto. So you might as well have just went with a camcorder. And for me... um, Whatever, I get this question a lot. What what camera do you recommend or what should I look into? And I always go the same way. I tell people, like, get a Canon G40 or G50 mm-hmm. and learn it. And don't try to film, self-film a hunt with a D- DSLR or mirrorless camera because of the movement. Yes. If you need to zoom in, you need both hands. Yeah, you're reaching around actually zooming manually on the lens yeah so they don't have an electronic zoom unless you go with like the sony has power zoom mm-hmm. has one power zoom lens and aps-c yeah canon canon has only one lens that's compatible with of course their zoom package that you have to buy extra and it only goes to one camera yep that's the same with the sony you have a, a remote that can work from sony that's an yep. 80 dollar remote and then you can only buy one lens mm-hmm. and it's a 15 to 105 so it's really not even you don't get all that extra zoom out Mm -hmm. of it that you need anyway and it's not going to be a super fast lens either and it's APS-C and if if, uh, actually that's probably a a good a good thing to cover here cover the difference between APS-C and full frame so when someone's going to buy a camera and they see this one is micro four thirds or it's Mm APS-C and this one's full frame what does that mean so what Cameron's talking about is the actual size of the sensor in the camera body. So that's kind of like your your brain of the camera there that's actually capturing everything in that image that the lens is letting in. So full frame, obviously that's going to be your biggest sensor there. So with full frame, that's going to be mainly your DSLRs, your mirrorless cameras. 
Some of the cinema cameras are getting into that, but we we won't even touch yeah. that subject here. Yeah. Um, you go down to ASPC, so it's smaller than a full frame, not by much. I think it's a 1.4 times crop. So it's going to let in less light than the full frame. Quality is a little bit lower. Yes. So with that smaller sensor size, you know, as you get further into the evening, say you're in October sitting on a field edge in the on an evening hunt, that full frame is going to perform a lot better than that ASPC sensor camera once you get closer to evening time because it's letting in more light. The other big difference is what's called bokeh. So we've all seen like the super smooth, awesome looking shots where big bucks stand out in the field. He's the only thing that you can see clearly. Everything behind it is blurry. That's what's called bokeh. Depth of field. Depth of field. Full frame. That's where you get the juicy looking bokeh like that. ASPC sensors, it's a little harder to do. It's going to depend on what lens you have in front of it. And then from ASPC, you jump down to what's called micro four thirds, which a lot of your Panasonics, they're all pretty much micro four thirds. That's going to be even smaller there. Um, low light is not going to be, yeah. you're not going to get the low light performance. Yes. From that, so that's full frame ASPC. Micro Four Thirds, that's pretty much all of your sensor sizes when it comes to mirrorless and DSLR cameras. Now we get into point-and-shoots and camcorders, whole different ballgame. There's, there's only one camcorder on the market right now that has a Micro Four Thirds sensor. Yeah. It's Panasonic's. I can't remember the exact model name, but they're the only one that has that Micro Four Thirds sensor. Everyone else is going to have either a one-inch sensor or a one-by... 16 i want to say one by 32 like as you come down and price those sensors get smaller 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 yep and as we talk about in the trail camera world the the biggest thing that matters is the physical sensor size Mm -hmm. so larger the sensor higher the quality yes better low light performance yes good got it so we have our main angle down so Mm -hmm. you're you're self filming you have your main angle which is going to be the the camera that you use to actually film the deer yes we're going with a camcorder um maybe a canon g50 canon g40 somewhere like that mm-hmm. sony handycam anything that shoots in 1080p mm-hmm. full res yep. do you need a 4k camera to sell film hunts you do not what is the benefit of having a 4k what is the disadvantage of having 4k so pros of 4k it's going to look a little better depending on how, like, if you know how to use your camera. So the difference between 1080 and 4K has nothing to do with the sensor size. It is physically the size of the image that is written to that card by the camera. So 1080 is actually 1920 by 1080. So there's... Pixels. 1920 pixels across, 1080 pixels high. 4K, depending, it's getting a little technical here, but depending on which sensor or which camera you go with, it can be 3840 by 2096, I want to say, or actual like 4000 by 2096, just depending on which camera you go with. So it's adding more pixels to that image. So you're going to get better contrast, better color differenti- differentiation in that picture. Where it comes into play with self-filming, 
is technically speaking, that 4K image, you can zoom in up to 400% and it'll still look like a 1920 by 1080 full HD image. Now, there's some other factors that go into that, but that's the concept behind it. So if you're filming with a 4K camera, you got a deer like 200 yards out, dog in a doe coming towards you, you can zoom the whole way in and then... In post, when you're actually editing it, you can zoom in on that image with technically without losing any resolution, but you will. Yeah, you'll lose some. It just won't look as bad. And to the trained eye, you won't know. Or to the untrained eye, you won't know. Exactly. You won't know the difference. So Mm -hmm. um, 4K cameras are going to cost more money. Oh, yes. They're getting cheaper, but they are going to cost more money. Mm -hmm. So do you need a 4K camera to self-film your hunts? No, you don't. No. Will it help you? And specifically with cell filming, yes, because you can leave the shot, um, the shot series wide. Mm-hmm. So when that deer's coming in, you can leave your camera wide. You don't have to be zoomed right in to get the shot. Yeah. Because then when you edit and you put it on a 1080 timeline, mm-hmm. you can crop in four times, yep. as you said. So um, that is the advantage of using a 4K camera uh, versus a 1080 camera. Yep. So now to the disadvantages, which if you're a beginner, the pros out, I mean, the cons outweigh the pros here, unfortunately. One, the file sizes on 4K footage are absolutely massive compared to regular 1080 HD. So say we record like, I don't know, a two minute clip of a buck feeding through a field. 1080, that's probably going to be, I don't know, maybe. 200 megabytes, maybe 300. Yep. 4K, that's going to be pushing a gig. Easily. So storage storage space adds yes. up quick. Oh, yes. Um, so you're going to have to get a bigger SD card. One, 64 gigs maybe, but 128, 256, like that's going to be your yeah. sweet spot there. For 4K. We don't touch a 64 gig nope. card. The other big thing is reading and writing speeds. So since that file size is bigger it takes that camera longer to physically write the data from that footage onto the card. So you need a much faster card. So like your, uh, sorry. So you're going to need like your, uh, your SanDisk blacks that have just the stupid fast reading writing speeds. You're going to need that for 4k. Yep. So the SD cards are more expensive. Oh yes. Storage is, you need more storage. Mm-hmm. And the biggest thing is actually editing it. Hmm. So since it's a bigger file size, um, it's not from a full-frame camera, your computer, when you're editing it, has to do a lot more work to actually process that footage compared to just regular HD 1080p. So you're going to need a better computer to actually work with the 4K footage on, say, a Premiere Pro timeline or a Final Cut or... Um, da Vinci. Da Vinci. Yeah, so when I first started filming, um, I feel like this is back in the, the, the old days. It's not like it's <laughs> been that long, but it was six years ago, and I had 4K footage from a GoPro, mm-hmm. and I was putting it on my laptop. It wasn't compatible. Nope. My camera could not, or my computer could not view it. So the, that's something you have to keep in mind. Yes. 
if you're going to be working with 4K footage, you need a computer that can handle it. Mm-hmm. So that you have an added cost there too. I mean, we we're working on MacBook Pros, 2019 MacBook Pros, and I got they struggle. Yeah, I have a 2021 MacBook Pro, and even like the footage we're using for this from our uh, Sony uh, NX80. NX80, my MacBook Pro hates it. It yep. struggles, yep. and it, it's a fully loaded MacBook Pro, like. Everything you could max out on it is maxed out, and it still struggles. Sure. Yeah, so I would say try to – if you want a 4K camera, it is okay to have a 4K camera, Mm -hmm. but I would not live in 4K. I would not film everything in 4K. Mm -mm. You're going to hate your life. Yes. So that's the recommendation here. Okay, main angle covered. Mm -hmm. Second angle cameras. This is a world of a lot of options. Oh, my, yes. And um, we have some pretty passionate feelings with uh, <laughs> with some of them. So what are you currently using for your second angle? Second angle. What, r- before we do that, before mm-hmm. we get into that, what does the second angle add for someone self-filming? Why is the second angle important? So the second angle when you're self-filming, it kind of adds like, it adds that wide angle shot that, wow, that wide angle shot that ties everything together. So you can go out and self-film with just a handy cam and all your footage is just going to be super punched in on the deer and you see like four frames of an arrow hitting it and it runs off. Second angle is going to be typically either above you, beside you, behind you, getting you in the process of actually hunting and shooting that deer. Yeah, but get rid. it gets rid of the monotony. Mm-hmm. So if you've ever watched a hunting film on YouTube... No one can look at a screen for 20 seconds without the screen changing. Yeah. I don't care what that deer's doing. If it's a 250-inch deer mm-hmm. and he's walking through the woods and that clip's 20 seconds long, you're going to lose people. Yeah. So adding that second angle offers a different perspective of the hunt, whether you have that on your bow looking back at you, whether you have it on the tree, mm-hmm. capturing everything, whatever you have there, it gets rid of the monotony and it adds what we call um, – Pattern interruption. Pattern interruption. Pattern interruption yes. is the word I was looking for there. It adds pattern interruption, keeps the viewer engaged, mm-hmm. and it all around just tells a better story because you have two perspectives. Yes, that's the biggest thing is telling a better story. You know, like when you were in North Dakota, if you didn't have that second angle pointed at your face and you just had it pointed at the deer, no one would have knew that when you went to draw back on that deer, you tried to move your face mask down, accidentally shot your bow forward, and then drew back on and, and smoked him at 40 yards. Yeah, I actually didn't have a main angle mm-hmm. in that video. There was no main angle. Yeah. And we could produce that video because of the second angle. Yes. Because that story was even better than what the deer was doing. Yes, it's giving you context of the whole entire hunt instead of just a juicy slow-mo B-roll shot of smoking a deer at 30 yards. Yeah, which is great, which mm-hmm. is a shot yeah. we all want to get. Mm-hmm. But having that second angle can make or break the film. Yes. So... Now, we'll get into the options. What are you using for your second ang- second angle? So right now, we have a couple of GoPros floating around the office. Um, it's a very uh, sore subject. Very sore subject for, I'd say, everyone in the office that's used them. Yeah, except for Jake. Yeah. Jake's the only one that hasn't had issues with them. Chad recorded his whole entire breakdown of his Kansas buck this year with his GoPro. I put the clips into Adobe, and not a 
single clip had audio on it. And it was on the media kit yeah. that has a microphone. Yes. And the audio is pretty good from. Mm-hmm. And we were like, oh, this is going to be a really good video. Yep. No. Nope. That Those GoPros I'm just have given us more trouble. They have not worked more than they've worked. Yes. Anytime, even before I started here, I had the Hero 7, you know, when I was filming fishing or whatever in the summertime. Loved that thing. It was awesome. As soon as that temperature dropped below 50 degrees, absolutely terrible. They have, in my opinion, the worst battery life when it gets cold out. Oh, 100%. That's it's not terrible. Even opinion. Yeah, that's fact. Mm-hmm. That's fact. Those GoPro batteries, regardless of the weather, they don't last that long. No. If you watch um, anyone, in, especially like turkey hunting, mm-hmm. and you see like Dave Owens runs a GoPro on his vest. Yeah. Shane Simpson has the, the GoPros for the second angle. Mm-hmm. They always have them plugged into external power. Yep. Because you can't let them run. Yep. They're going to die. If you let it run, you'll you'll be lucky to get maybe 25, 30 minutes out of it, depending on the weather. Yeah. So if it's super cold, good luck getting a clip longer than 30 seconds. Yeah. We have the GoPro Hero 9s, mm-hmm. and we have one out of three that works consistently. Yes. And I'm not even sure which one it is. Because uh, we have three of them. We have them marked. And one of them works, two of them don't. Mm-hmm. And the problems that we have with the two that don't, battery life, yep. or for some reason the one didn't record audio, the SD card errors, it'll yeah. s- it'll act like it's writing. So mm-hmm. it's like, okay, it's recording. And then you go shoot a whole video and then you look back at it and it was it turned off. And like, what, what happened? Yep. And then you go to turn it on. It says SD, car- SD card error powering off. Yeah. So if you're in the film game, mm-hmm. if you're doing this um, and you want to create a video and you're like, man, I, I, want th- I need the second angle, my opinion, can't rely on GoPro. No. no Here, whether all. it's, we have the Hero 9. Mm-hmm. We have not tried the Hero 10s and we haven't bought them because of how bad the 9s were. And we went into buying the 9s like these things are sweet. Yeah. 4K, 60. Oh, that hyper smooth stabilization on it is insane. Yeah, there are phenomenal features mm-hmm. with that camera, but I just cannot rely on it. So nope. I do not recommend it. I do not either. And I have found a suitable replacement that I recommend. What is it? So it is the DJI Osmo Action Camera. Those little things are awesome. So outside of the hunting the hunting world, I like to do ice fishing. The tournament that I compete in in the local area, the tournament director actually asked me for my opinion on GoPros because he wanted to you know, start recording stuff for it. I was like, stay away from those. Try this one. He got the regular the original DJI Osmo action camera. They have a second iteration of it now. But he got the regular, and the first tournament that he ran it on, I mean, you know, it's ice fishing, so obviously it's stupid cold. He ran that thing all day long and only went through two batteries. That's incredible. He was walking, I mean, you know, these are humongous, you know, Army Corps of Engineer lakes that we're fishing on. You know, we got... 80 to 100 two-man teams all spread out all over the place. He's walking around all day filming little clips with it. Two batteries. That was it. I was completely blown away by it. And this is in, I think it was a high of 12 that day. Yeah, that's... So, super, super cold. And you can you can pick up a DJI Osmo Action for 300 bucks. Mm-hmm. The GoPro's 350 Yeah. 
virtually same exact cost. Yep. So that's the the second angle camera recommendation. Now, do you have a preferred um, view, a preferred mounting option for the second angle? What's what do you do with your second angle? So, what I do with my second angle is like when I'm in a tree stand, I'm a righty. So I always put the GoPro on or the GoPro, the Osmo, whichever one it is, I always put it on one of those little flexi mounts. I'll put it above me and to the right so that you're basically like trying to show the viewer what you're seeing. Because since you're right-handed, if you would put it on the left side, you know, the viewer is only just going to see you. It's not going to see what you're looking at. Yep. So I always try and put it up and behind so that that viewer can get that line of sight of what you're looking at. Sure. Yeah. With me, um, I'm, I'm self-filming out of a saddle. Mm-hmm. And what I like to do, it's actually Chad figured it out, but we clip with a gator clamp. We mm-hmm. clip the GoPro or whatever camera we're using to our um, tether. Yeah. So when I swing around the tree... That camera is looking back at my face the entire time. Mm-hmm. And if you only have one second angle camera, um, having an over-the-shoulder shot is probably a little bit better. Yeah. But when a saddle, you don't have an over-the-shoulder shot. Yeah. It's back <laughs> at you. So uh, Trey Kearns, I actually asked him previously on the podcast what he does with his sec- second angle camera. And he runs two. So he runs a camera looking back at him. Mm-hmm. And when he's, when he's in the saddle... You, you have your camera arm, which is camera arms or something else we'll talk about, but you have your camera arm down below you, so it's a little bit harder to move. Mm-hmm. And if you can't get around the tree, Trey puts a GoPro on the other side of the tree with a wide view of what he can't see. Hmm. So if all else fails, he'll get the shot with that. Yes. Then he'll have an angle with him and the, whatever the main camera is doing. If it misses it, he has the second angle as a backup, which I thought was really smart. And I wish I would have done that in North Dakota because that tree was too big. Mm-hmm. Couldn't get a camera arm in it. So that's why I had only the second angle. I wish I would have had another second angle screwed into the other side of the tree to where you could have seen the deer. Yeah, that. thinking back on that, that second second angle you know, would have been really nice, especially for me this past fall. That I was telling you the one deer that stopped literally like five feet underneath me. Yeah, and you couldn't I couldn't see him. I couldn't see them. Camera arms to the side, GoPros up above, pointing out, and he is down to the right of me. If I would have had that, you know, second angle, you know, maybe I would have been able to angle it down so that everyone could see me, you know, at full draw, knee shake, and waiting for this thing to take one more step, and then it just takes off like a bat out of hell. Yep. Yeah. The, I, see, it gets <coughs> it it gets to be a bunch mm-hmm. when you're taking a lot of stuff. Yes. So. I don't recommend your first year self-filming taking five second nope. angle cameras because then it gets too busy. You got to worry about, you got to think about this. You have to turn all of these on. Mm-hmm. You can't just let them run. Yep. So when the action starts to heat up, if you're reaching to turn your cameras on, mm-hmm. that's bad. Yes. You need them in a spot where you can real quickly turn them on. That's why I like having that GoPro right on my tether. I reach up, turn it on, grab my bow. Yep. I'm good. So that's another thing to keep in mind. Now. I do want to add something to this since we're talking second angles. I'm sure there's going to be plenty of guys out there saying, well, what about shot cam? What about tactic cam for your second angle? I mean, those are great. Don't get me wrong. But you're just getting a different angle 
or a different view of the view you're already getting on your main camera with those. Yeah. So they're me- they're meant to be mounted to your bow, to your gun, whatever, so that when you pull up to shoot, you have a punched-in view of what you're aiming at. Now, maybe down the road, that'd be another good purchase there. I mean, that's more, in my opinion, more of a specialty thing than anything. But down the road, it might be a good purchase. Right now, year one of self-filming, I do not recommend those. No, I, I mean, I don't like them mm-hmm. because... When you shoot your bow, yes. When have you ever seen a tacticam footage where you actually see the shot? Never. You don't because when you shoot your bow, you shoot release the bow drops away. Mm-hmm. Then you got a view of the ground. Yeah. While the deer getting shot, so when you shoot with that tacticam, you really have to keep in mind following the deer with mm-hmm. your bow exactly. to see what it's doing. Everyone's first reaction when they shoot a deer is hang your bow up. Yep. Shoot the deer, watch where it goes, hang your bow up. That your tacticam being on the end of your bow is doing you no good then. Exactly. So I I'm not a big fan. So for deer, I wouldn't even bother with the tacticam for your second angle. However, waterfowl, which yeah. that's another passion of mine for sure. Yeah, that makes more sense. Because I mean you're following the bird with yeah. a gun. That's a very popular option there. Yeah, that so makes more sense. It just, it's going to depend on what you're going after. You know, obviously, if you're turkey hunting, tack the cam would be good too. Yeah. And if you're using a shotgun, if you're using a bow, not so much. It's the same thing. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah. So you have your second angle. Uh, DJI Osmo is a really great option. Yep. There's a bunch of action cameras out. Uh, oh, the, yeah. There's the 360 cams that are pretty neat. Mm-hmm. I've never personally used one, but I know Shane Simpson uses it. Uh, Greg from THP uses it a lot, and they get some really awesome footage with yeah. those. I've never personally used one, but um, that is another pretty solid option. It's on a uh, – the way you use those, it mounts on a pole, mm-hmm. and I don't know how it works, but you can't see the pole. Yeah, so it's it's using AI to kind of fill in that gap of where the pole should be. Yeah, it's pretty neat. Yeah, the if you're going to go that route, which, I mean, year one, I don't really recommend it because there's a lot on the back end. Yeah, that's a down the road. editing. That's a down-the-road deal. Um, the Insta360 One is an awesome little 360 camera. Yeah, that's, that's a down-the-road deal. Yeah. So we have our main camera. We have our second angle camera. Mm-hmm. One thing we haven't really talked about is audio. Yeah. And audio is really important. If you want to make a good film and you want to have something that people enjoy watching, your audio has to be good. Mm -hmm. So are you running a shotgun mic on that um, handy on that camera this year? So first year out, first year out. If you are archery hunting first year out, I am not. I'm running a lav mic on yourself on yourself. Yes. If you only have one option for deer hunting, I would use a lav mic 10 times out of 10. Because, I mean, what type of ambient audio are you actually recording of the deer when you're deer hunting? You know, unless you get lucky and you have a 150-inch deer roaring underneath your stand, you know, there's not really too much other audio that you can record. Like, whereas, you know, turkey hunting elk hunting, stuff like that. There's a lot of different 
audio and ambient noises going on. See, there's a turkey's goblin, the elk bugling. You know, that case, you know, that would be better for the shotgun mic. But deer hunting, I mean, you throw a lav mic on you, you're going to be able to hear yourself talking a lot clearer. Um, your audience won't have to turn their TVs the whole way up when you're giving the post-hunt breakdown, whispering like this. Yeah. You know, too many times I see, you know, YouTube videos where they have to put subtitles on the guy talking to the camera because he doesn't have a lav mic and you can't hear him at all. Yep. So, in my opinion, that's that's number one there is a lav mic. What's sure. your recommendation for a lav mic? So, I'm still running the same uh, cheapo lav mic that I bought oh, probably three, four years ago. It's a Comica... I can't remember the exact uh, the exact name of it, but it's a wireless lav mic made by Comica. I picked it up for like, I think it was like 60, 70 bucks used or something like that. I don't know what they retail for brand new right now. Is it the CVM WM100? It, it kind of looks like them. The big antennas. Yep, that's it right there. Yeah, so they're 140 bucks. So they're 140 bucks new right now used you can see them anywhere from 60 to 80 bucks which i mean in the world of lav mics wireless lav mics that is dirt cheap yeah that's really cheap yeah and it still produces you know really good sound quality with the uh the actual like stock mic that comes with it um it's got Roughly around like a 60 to 80 foot range. I wouldn't push it, honestly, I wouldn't push it much further than 60, in my opinion. Um, it's just a, it's a well-built mic, in my opinion. Um, I've had zero issues with it whatsoever. The biggest thing I like with it is when you actually put the mic into the receivers, it's a threaded jack. So you have to screw it in for it to work which that helps eliminate any potential issues down the road. Like if you're carrying your camera in um, and it gets bumped, that mic might come loose if it's not a threaded jack. With that threaded jack, you screw it in, you're good to go. Sure, yeah. The, uh, the only thing that I don't like about <coughs> using that system mm -hmm. is the camera has to be recording for you to get any audio. Yes. So I personally like an external recorder. Mm -hmm. So that's why we have the Tascam uh, DR10Ls yeah. here. So those re record to a separate SD card. Mm -hmm. And what's really nice about that is you can get audio moments without the camera physically recording. Yeah. So sometimes you might even double punch the camera mm -hmm. and forget like, oh man, the camera didn't record anything. But you'll have some really good audio clips or... If you're walking through and you're overlaying B-roll on yep. top of audio, the Tascam is always running. Oh, yeah. So with an Energizer lithium battery and <laughs> you get weeks. yeah, 32-gig card, like those things will run forever. We've mm -hmm. we've been on elk hunts and stuff where we, we would just let it run for five hours and then just the next day just switch the battery out and let it go again. Yep. And you have all of the audio from the entire hunt. Mm -hmm. Those are more expensive. But you only need one. Yeah. And I, I think they're two hundred bucks. So it's a it's a seventy dollar difference. Yeah. Which is a lot. Mm -hmm. For I mean, the inv initial investment to get into this is high. Yes, very much so. So 
there are cheaper options, but what you get out of it is the ability to record audio without the camera physically return mm-hmm. recording, and I like that. So, um, if you are going to put a shotgun mic on your camera, because maybe you really like to hear the leaves crunching when the deer's walking in, or there's some different audio, or you just want your audio to be more crisp coming out of the ambient noise, Yeah. what shotgun mic are, are you going to um, recommend? So... I have two recommendations for this, and it is going to be based off of budget. So, if you're looking, if you're looking to do it right, you know you have about you know two three grand set aside for your whole entire package. My recommendation is the Rode VideoMic Pro Plus. I think they retail for what right around three hundred. I want to say. Yep. Depending on you know they might go on sale sometimes. Um, that one is an awesome on mic camera. Um, it is battery operated, so you don't got to worry about the mic dying in the middle of the shoot, and then you got to find a USB charger and an external power source to power it back on so that you can get audio again. Um, I think they run off of a 9 volt, I want to say. Yeah, yeah, they do. So, I mean, you're going to get a lot of, lot of power from that. Um, you have your actual audio control on the back, so you can adjust your gain levels. Um, they have different controls on it as well for, I think, like ducking and peaking. Um, you can go, like, offset to, like, record one track 20 decibels lower than the other track. There's just a lot built into it that is super, super helpful. Sure, yeah. Now, the caveat with that, if you're running that... My suggestion is use that as your actual control for your volume levels. So if you're getting whatever mic it is with a volume adjuster or a control on it, go into the camera, turn the camera's audio down to one. So that way the better preamps in the mic are what's actually recording the audio, not the preamps in the camera itself. Yeah, so that... you're going to get cleaner, crisper audio for that. That's a good tip. So that's if you're going that route. If you're balling on a budget, you can't go wrong with the Rode VideoMic. Hold on, let me pull it up here. The Go? Yes, the Go 2. So the Rode VideoMic Go 2, they just came out with it. Retails for 100 bucks. Um, it's you know smaller, super compact. You don't have audio adjustments on it, so you will have to use the in-camera levels to adjust your audio. But for 100 bucks and the quality of audio that you get out of it, you can't beat it. Yeah, I uh, I like that. That's a pretty condensed little mic, too. It's mm-hmm. small. Yeah. I like that. Um, currently, right now, we're using the Deity V-Mic D3 Pro. Yeah. And it does a good job, too. Yeah, that, so I'm that's impressed US- with that. USB-C chargeable. Mm-hmm. I like that. You don't have to use physical batteries. And um, it's only 130 bucks. Yeah. And the gain levels aren't jumps, so it's a smooth mm-hmm. transition. So if it's a little low on other ones, you have to make a jump to the next one. There's a spike in audio. Yes. And then you can hear that audible click. This is just a smooth transition. 
it's just like the zoom that we're recording on now. Mm-hmm. If we go from lower volume to higher volume, you don't hear that big jump. So yeah. it's, it's a smooth adjustment there. So I, I like that. Um, it's the Deity V Mic D3 Pro. Mm-hmm. So that's that's currently what is on the uh, NX80 there. Pretty, yes. pretty good camera. Um, if you're going to go that route with the DD, my suggestion is get a different shock mount for it. Yeah. Because the, sh- the shock mount for it's kind of janky, falls off our cameras all the time. So yeah. I'd get something different for that. Yeah, switched out with the road one or something. Yes. Um, but also on that note, too, make sure you get a dead cat mm. for the wind, that big fluffy thing that you guys see on microphones. It's called yep. a dead cat. breaks down wind. On windy days on with a shotgun mic or even with a lav mic, the audio's junk. Yeah. So you need something to cut that wind. Yes. Um, and the, those dead cats do a really good job of that. Yes. The de- they make dead cats for shotgun mics and lav mics, too. Yep. The, with the lav mics, um, placement of the lav mic, I know we're going backwards a little bit here, mm-hmm. but this is another thing to keep in mind. When you're using a dead cat on a lav mic, it looks bad. Yeah. And it, it draws your eye to it. So if you're able to hide that in any way, that's a, that's a good... Um, yes. To keep that in mind when you're doing it, keep the set clean, keep keep the subject clean, keep yes. yourself clean. Yeah, if you're, if you're like a, a hang-on guy or a ladder stand guy... You can stick it like just under on the backside of your tree stand, tree stand straps there yeah. for your harness. Um, you can always like if you have a jacket on, you can stick it actually inside the jacket on the zipper. With the lav mics, though, the rule of thumb that I do is you don't want it more than I'd say like six to eight inches away from the subject's mouth. Yeah. Anything after that, it gets pretty bad for audio wise. Um, what I kind of, what I learned to do is, uh, pretty much the span from your pinky to your thumb. If you're holding your hand out like this, hang loose, bro. Yep. That's the span from your mouth to the lav mic that it should be, no matter which, which area it goes in. What what I do with them, and this is a tip that I learned from become one film the hunt Mm -hmm. is I clip it to my hat. And the important thing there, when you have it on your chest, when you have the lav mic on your chest, if you move your head to the left or move your head to the right, your mouth is not looking at that microphone anymore. Yeah. And your audio levels jump up and down and up and down. If you keep it on your hat, the mic is always in the same spot compared to your mouth. So if you mm-hmm. turn the head right, the hat goes with you. Turn the head left, your hat goes with you. Yeah. So that's a, another tip. But if you have to put a dead cat on it, you're going to have this big, Puffy thing Big sticking fuzzy off thing. hat and off the or sticking off the mm. bill of your hat. So. It might mess with your anchor point too when you get a draw. Yeah, and it's gonna be in your eyesight. Mm-hmm. So just just some tips to keep in mind. When I'm running or when I'm wearing my bino harness, I always clip it to the uh, right strap to the on my bino yeah. harness and I keep the mic in the pocket on the side. Mm-hmm. That's that way it's nice and tucked out of the way. It's out of the way. Yep. yep. So the last thing that we need to cover, so we have main angle. Mm-hmm. We have second angle. Yep. We have audio. Yep. We need a way to mount the camera to the tree. Yep. And this is the biggest reason people stop self-filming their hunts, because they have to take the camera arm. Mm-hmm. And this is something that I battled with, yep. and it's something I still battle with, even with the new options we have today. Yeah. So let's dive into the camera arm tree stand hunting options. Mm-hmm. So... There's, depending on what your budget is, there's a couple different ways you can go with this. 
Um, if you're balling on a budget, I mean, the, the $35 muddy arm, you can't really beat. You know, it's got a, it's a two-arm system. It's kind of a pain to mount to the tree, but once you actually get it on the tree, it's pretty solid. Um, it has a all-plastic fluid head on it. So that is, a you know, you get what you pay for. You know, 35 bucks for a tree arm, you know, it's probably not going to be the best. Um, they do make a step-up version of that from their consumer line, I guess, that has adjustments built into the base so you can level out that arm. Still kind of janky, but it gets the job done, I guess. There it is, the Muddy Outdoors Hunt Hard camera arms. That one retails for 85 so it's a little bit of a step up there. And I mean, in the camera arm world, 85 still pretty cheap too. So once you get up into your higher end options, that's where you get into some money there, but also some awesome, awesome options for a camera arm. So Cameron has pulled up here the Muddy Outdoors, the Outfitter video camera arm. Um, that thing, I mean, there's a lot of guys in the industry that still use that. There are... But if you're self-filming, yeah, it is a pain in the rear end. Yes, it's like heavy. Let me see how much this thing weighs, if I can find it here. Uh, Six point four five pounds. It weighs so, more than the B stand. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, and it's big and bulky. It doesn't pack away well. Yes, I do not recommend it. I mean, first year self-filming, I don't either. When you get down the road, maybe you get a heavier camera. Maybe you're filming with a couple other guys. Not a bad option. Um, however, for self-filming, though, year one, I mean, fourth arrow, lone wolf, you can't beat those options. No. So I use the lone wolf custom gear pocket arm. Mm -hmm. And I don't even know if I'm allowed to say this. But I saw one that another company's working on. I'm not even going to say who it is. Mm -hmm. But it is sweet. I don't yeah. even think I've told you about it yet. I don't I don't think <clears throat> you have either. That one's going to rival the pocket arm, and it's going to be lighter. Ooh. But the pocket arm literally fits in your pocket. Yeah. So And it can hold up to 10 pounds. Mm -hmm. And uh, what I do with mine is I take the, th the secondary arm. There's three arms on it. I take the second one off. Mm-hmm stiffens it up a little bit. You lose a little bit of range of motion, but when you're self-filming, you're not going to be hanging way out anyway. Yeah. So I keep it tight to me. Um, that camera arm does everything that I need it to do. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to say that camera arm coming to market single-handedly got me back into self-filming my hunts because hmm. I completely stopped lugging around that muddy arm. Yeah, I stopped. I quit. After your PA hunt, you just... Kind of left it here and never took it with you again. I'll, I won't do it. And the fourth arrow is the same way. Mm -hmm. So the nice thing about the lone wolf arm is it's one piece. Yep. You don't have a base. You don't have a shoulder. You don't have the arm. You don't have the fluid head. It's one piece mm -hmm. all in one. So you level it on the tree. You screw it in. And it is rock solid up to 10 pounds. Yep. And if you're self-filming, it is all you need. Oh, yeah. It's 250 bucks. Mm -hmm. It's expensive, but it will save your life. Yeah. I mean, if if you're running like a little handy cam or G40, that's all you need anyways. Yeah. And we put the 70 to 200 on it and, mm -hmm. and handled it. Yeah. So it can handle some weight. And that lens itself weighs six pounds. Yeah. So th that that's my recommendation is mm -hmm. the Lone Wolf Custom Gear Pocket Arm. 
Um, the, there used to be a beast arm. I don't know if they're going to come back out with that. Um, there's, like I said, there's another one coming out. Mm-hmm. Uh, out on a limb makes a nice one for your phone. Yeah. Which is a pretty slick one, and I'm sure you could screw a camera onto it too. You just unscrew the camera mount or the uh, phone mount, mm-hmm. put a fluid head on there, and I'm sure that would work the same way. Yep. So there's a ton of different options, but what you need to keep in mind is how much can it hold and what is my um, – what is my fluid head options? What mm-hmm. can I put on there for the fluid head? Because that's going to be important for smooth uh, video. Oh, so yes. So if it's if your fluid head's smooth, uh, Benro S2 is a good one. It's mm-hmm. it's light. The uh, Manfrotto Go Light, I think it's called. Yep. That one's really nice. It's small. I forget what I even have on mine. I think it's the – mine's actually the iFootage fluid head that yeah, comes I on our, on our monopod. And – it's really sleek, small, slim, yep, and it's smooth, and that's what you need to keep in mind. Yeah, I run the uh, the Pro Master is just called their video head. Yeah, that's a nice one too. Yeah, um, super smooth panning back and forth, tilting not so much. It's a little bit of a pain for that, but the pan back and forth is buttery smooth on it. Yeah, I so. think I think that's a I think that's the way to go. Mm-hmm. Something light, small. Keep yeah, just. I I want people to continue to sell film. You made this investment, and I want people to continue to want to do it. Oh, yeah. So keeping your package small and light Mm -hmm. is going to – you're going to get out of bed that day and be like, okay, I'm going to take all this stuff Yes. If you're taking a 30-pound pack with all your camera gear in it, Mm -hmm. you're going to leave that behind. Yeah. You're going (laughs) to end up leaving it behind, I promise. It gets old. Yeah. Really quickly. Yeah, I completely stopped doing it at mm-hmm. one point because I just was like, I'm not. Yeah. I'm not dealing with it. Well, my my uh, week long trip down to uh, my farm in southern Ohio, you know, the first couple of days had the I run the fourth arrow. What's that? The stiff arm. Stiff arm. Yeah. Um. So I had that up in the tree with me, you know, taking it back and forth. It got pretty cumbersome. By day four, I just had the GoPro clipped and like overtaught me and that was it yeah that's it what just, most people end up doing it gets old i i run the sick tool belt pack and packs probably not something for another conversation but mm-hmm. um i run the sick tool belt pack i put the camera arm in it yep. i put the camera in it and it all fits and that's all i need mm-hmm. i don't have a giant camera arm a giant camera yeah six gopros five mics i have one mic one lav mic on me that i wear in Mm-hmm. I have the GoPro that I usually am holding going in yep. to get secondary shots of telling the story, where I'm scouting, why I'm going, where I'm going. Mm-hmm. And then I have the main camera in my pack with the camera arm, and that is all I take. Yep. So that's my that's my recommendation. Keep it minimal. Oh, yes. And keep it light, and you will enjoy more from it. So, And like I said, if you guys have any other questions for Lucas – or for me, get a hold of us. Lucas, where can people find you? So Facebook, Instagram, um, I'm sure Cameron will put links in the description. Shoot me a message. I'm happy to help anytime. Sure. Yeah. I'm Cam Cam the Cameraman on mm-hmm. Instagram. I am Lucas with five S's in the number 95. There's a lot of Lucases out there. Yeah. So hit us up if you guys have any questions on filming. I know I've talked to a, a couple people already about what camera gear uh, I use, what camera gear we recommend. 
and those are two different things. So mm-hmm. um, maybe next time we'll have Lucas on. We'll talk about what we actually use, break down why we use it, uh, the packs we use, and maybe we'll even dive into a little bit of um, how we learned where we recommend people going to learn. Yes, that's so, a, that's a huge thing. Yeah. So if you guys want to hear more from this on this kind of content from camera gear, self-filming, uh, it's what we're good at. So yep. we can we can definitely bring you more if you guys want to hear it. So thanks you, thank you guys for tuning in this week. If you enjoyed the podcast, please leave a five-star review wherever you listen to it. You can now leave five-star reviews on Spotify and on iTunes. Write me a uh, five-star review. It's greatly appreciated. Helps us reach more people, gets more people listening to the content. And uh, until next time, see you.